Okay, our text is Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 is where we'll start. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, and the sermon I've titled, God's GPS. Now, that's a GPS you can trust. You know, GPS here on earth, I mean, they're kind of nice, you know, there's an accident up ahead of you, uh, you might want to go this way, go that way, whatever. They tell you all these things, that's great. But why don't they tell you that before you leave? You know, they can't do that. But there's one, the, the Lord, nothing's an accident to him. Nothing just occurs to him. He knows everything ahead of time, okay? The GPSs are nice, I guess, when you're driving around and finding out uh, how to get somewhere or if there's a traffic jam ahead, a wreck or whatever. But the GPS of God, he always knows everything far ahead of time. And so we praise the Lord for that. Well, here we are uh, in Matthew chapter 7. We begin here with verse 13. Oh, and at, I was at that conference this week, and every speaker would have a stand for the reading of the Word, which is, is fine. It's fine. Some, some preachers do that. What bothers me is that they stand up, and they read the Word, and then they sit down, and throughout the sermon, they're quoting scriptures, and we stay seated. And I can't understand that, okay? But then on the other hand, we'd be up and down. Stay awake better that way. Maybe I'd do that, okay? But uh, uh, outside of that, I, I just don't understand the whole thing of it, but it's good. I, I know in Ezekiel, if you read there, people stood up for four hours. How would you like to do that? <laughs> okay, but uh, uh, that's what happened. Well, let's get started here in verse 13 then of our text. Enter ye in... At the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. Well, let's pray. Father, as we look into this message, I believe that it's your word. I think it's what you had me to preach. And so, Lord, we want to preach it as thus saith the Lord. So, Father, I pray that you'd help me directly divide your word and to speak the truth in love in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. In this passage, we see two doors, you might say, two gates, two doors. There's two roads, but there's something else you don't see in the passage, but it's in the Bible to show us the end of those roads. At the end of each road is a seat, a chair, if you wish. First, we want to see the two roads identified here in verses 13 and 14. Look at those again. He says, enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth unto destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. 
Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Now, the road called Broadway, that's the wide gate you go through. That's the big door. It's called, that road is called Broadway. Don't give your regards to that Broadway, okay? Because that is not the good road, and yet <clears throat> it'll seem so smooth. Oh, such a smooth uh, road with such great scenery. And oh, there's so much fun along the way. But if you look down at verses 21 through 23, you see the end of that road. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Now let me just stop there and say this. What is the will of the Father in heaven? Well, he tells us very clearly. In John 17, 30, he tells us that it is uh, his will, he says, and, and of the times of this ignorance, in Acts chapter 17, verse 30, God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. In uh, we, 2 Peter 3, 9, he says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Okay, so that is God's will. And so when you look at this verse, and, and, and you see there in verse 13, that uh, because, the, uh, well, uh, excuse me, verse 13, entry in straight great, why is great broad way that leads to destruction, meaning that goes in thereat, that's off the broad way. That's off that broad road. You're going in there. That road is fatal to your soul. Now, a lot of people have fun on that road. Why do they have fun on that road? Because it appeals to the flesh. I was sharing with uh, some folks uh, here in the last few days. I remember in the uh, 50s and 60s when I was elementary and high school, our standards in public high school, we had Bible reading. We even had in elementary school, we had preachers that came by and spoke. We'd have the prayer every morning. We'd say the Lord's Prayer. Some would call it the model prayer. The Lord's Prayer, why would they call it the Lord's Prayer if it's the model prayer? Well, the Lord told us to pray that way. So we're praying the way the Lord told us to pray, and that's why they called it the Lord's Prayer. That says it's the model prayer because the Lord told us to pray that way. Either way is what we prayed each, each morning. Matter of fact, when I first come to Ocala Christian Academy after it was uh, come here as assistant pastor and I was working there, I, uh, I'd said something in one of the classes. I says, okay, I want to hear you repeat the Lord's Prayer or the model prayer. They had no idea what I was talking about, so I made that a rule at that time that they memorized that from the Bible. Our Father, which art in heaven, on you go. But I had them, uh, I wanted them to memorize that. I think it's important, because God told us to pray that way. God told us to pray that way. Now, you break that verse down, you see it's really much broader than just the words that we're saying, but it's very important. So, I'm saying that to say that uh, we, we are to pray. And back in our public school, we had prayer every morning. We had the Bible every morning. I remember a, a young lady in high school. 
she was sent home. You know why she was sent home? Her skirt went right to the very top of her knee. It didn't go halfway or cover the knee. It went to the very top of the knee. Now, people today think, well, that's nothing. But back then, they got sent home. And what I'm saying is, is there was a standard in school. But then, somebody thought they were very brilliant and decided that they would have the courts throw out prayer and the Bible in the school. Because the state can't establish a religion. Uh, by the way, what was the doctrines of that religion they said that was being established? I mean, you had Catholics, you had Mormons, you had Seventh-day Adventists, you had Baptists, you had Methodists, you had Presbyterians. You think they're exactly alike in their doctrines? No. So it wasn't the establishment of a religion, but it was acknowledging God in His Word. See, that's exactly what it was doing. But man was able to get that out of the schools. Aren't the schools so safe now since we got that out of here? Funny, I didn't hear of all those shootings that I'm hearing about now at the schools and things that are going on. So what happened? People said, we're through with you, God. God said, okay, I'm through with you. And you know, when you get that attitude, you better watch out. And so, you go down that Broadway, it seems so nice. You see, that's what happened to schools. Now, now it's happened to churches. It's happened to churches. You say, what do you mean, preacher? It's happening to churches. Churches that were fundamental, independent, Baptist, and, and just true to the word. And even, even another denomination, true to the word. What happened? Well, okay, <laughs> uh, marketers. You know, you got to do this. Hey, this, let's, let's just take that rock and roll and tune it down, tone it down a little bit. We can put that to the church. Because people, you know why? It appeals to their flesh. And then we've got to get rid of some of these standards in the, in the church. You know, when I first come here, I, I had people tell me, well, we're so glad you're taking over. You know, we, you know, some of these standards, things need to go out. And every time we get a new principle, a new whatever, these standards, all things I've got, got to go. In, uh, you know, when Christian schools first started, back when they took the Bible out of the schools, then all of a sudden things started to change. I mean, a lot of things started to change. Before too long, people were saying, we need to have Christian schools. Up till then, it's only Catholic schools. So that's why I said there's only, they didn't have Christian schools, they only had Catholic schools. But then, you started Christian schools. Then we're looking for teachers, you know, and, and boy, people wanted to teach. They wanted their kids in that school, and they wanted to get in there and be a part of it. Now, when you're fundamental and you're independent, first, that was no problem because there's a lot of people that were that way. But in time, some of the Bible colleges began to become, uh, well, you know, we got to do this. It's the culture today. I don't know where God told us to, instead of following His Word, to follow the culture. Don't, I haven't seen that anywhere. Well, that doesn't work today. That kind of preaching, those kind of standards don't work today. 
Oh, so you're saying the devil is victorious over the Holy Spirit of God and over his word because he's been able to overpower God and, and not allow those standards anymore and to go ahead and be worldly and please the flesh. Well, we don't say that. Remember your parents say, saying to you, actions speak a lot louder than words? That's exactly what it's doing right in that situation. Uh, sometimes it's harder for us to get teachers today because we don't want a teacher teaching in our school that's going to think that our standards are stupid. That shouldn't be that way. That our stand on the King James shouldn't be the way it is. And, and they don't like our music. They don't like this. But look, we are a fundamental, true to the word, Christian school because that's what this church is. And every ministry of our church needs to reflect that. We're either on God's side or we're not. We, we can't play both sides of the fence. And so that's why we have it like that. So I'm saying that if, if uh, we found out a teacher was teaching, well, you know the standards. That, once that old man Bloom's gone out of here, then we'll be fine. Guess what? God may have somebody coming in behind me. So I'm just saying that... Uh, the Word of God is the Word of God, and it doesn't change. It doesn't change. It stays true from, for time and eternity. Now, that broad way leads to destruction. Uh, the end of it, of that broad way, is fatal. However, on the roads of life, there is the straight way. You know what? That way called straight? I don't mind being called straight today. If you want to be called those other things that are going on with today, you go ahead. I want to be straight. Now, to a lot of people, he's straight. And I want to say thank you. Thank you. Now, look, they're Christians, yeah, they're, on, they're saved. But they see an off-ramp to get on that broad way and travel that way. They won't lose their salvation, but I'll tell you what they will lose is reward. Now just think, getting in heaven, because there's a parable Jesus told to illustrate it. Take it from him that hath the one and give to him that hath the ten. There was, there was a reward set aside for a man that he was going to give him in eternity. But that man got caught up in the contemporary. He got caught up in the culture. He got caught up in philosophy of the day instead of the word of God's truth. And he lost reward and he's ashamed at his appearing. And the Bible is very clear at his appearing. And it's addressed to Christians there in 1 John when it says this. That they will be ashamed at his appearing. Where others have confidence. Confidence? Oh, like the Apostle Paul, henceforth there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord has promised to all those who love his appearing. Now, you show you love his appearing by holiness, true holiness, and righteousness. That's what you show that you love his appearing. Without that, 
You're saved. Yeah, you'll be there, but you'll be saved so as by fire. And by the way, everybody will know it. Everybody will know it. So my question then becomes to you is, are you ready for that to be revealed? Are you ready for everybody to know all about that? Because it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Are you ready for that to happen? Now, when we think of all of that, I mean, just keep this in your mind. This is happening. It's going to happen to Christians. It's going to happen to others. These things are going to happen, and, and they're going to happen quickly once the Lord comes. There's going to be a judgment. Now, go through that first door. This is a straight door. As a Christian, stay on that straight road. That door, what is that door to get on that road that leads into eternal life? Jesus is the door. In John chapter 10, verse 7, he says, and, and said, then said Jesus unto them again, verily, verily, that means truly, truly, I say unto you, I am the door to the sheep. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. You see, that road is narrow. And our strength, as Nehemiah 8.10 tells us, is the Lord. The joy of the Lord is your strength. I mean, that's very clear. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And if you don't have the joy of the Lord in your heart, then you can't stay on that narrow road. You're going to be getting on the off-ramps. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And so, you enter at the straight gate, not the wide gate, because that's going to lead to destruction. Jesus is that door. So there is the straight way. But the straight way has many bumps. It has many curves. You might say it even has potholes. But what is at the end of that road? Life eternal. You see, in 1 Peter we're told that the trial of our faith is more precious than gold. And so you go through those trials, you go through those hard times. Listen to what Jesus said. Now this is Jesus saying it. I'm just reading what Jesus said. I didn't say it. It didn't originate with me. It originates with Jesus Christ. If you have a problem with it, pick it up with Him. But He says... Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you 
and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice, and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Jesus endured the cross. And you think you've endured something? He endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. Now, as a Christian, we either believe the scriptures or we don't. We're commanded to be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. To present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. We're told not to be as some in Jude 4 that turned the grace of God lasciviousness. Says we've got liberty to do this now. You see, the law was taken away. Oh, so you can't kill people now. Well, preacher, come on now. Well, wait a minute. The law's taken away. You can, you can abort. You can kill babies because the law is taken away. You say, oh, preacher, come on now. You know the New Testament speaks against some of those things as well. Look, the Bible is one whole, Old Testament and New Testament. You see, we don't offer lamb sacrifices like they did in the Old Testament for a reason. The Lamb of God has already been sacrificed for our sin. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. So yes, the sacrifices themselves were done away, but not the morals. Not the things of the flesh. We did not get liberty to fulfill the lust and the desires of the flesh. To think that is to be deceived totally by the devil. Unfortunately, there are too many that are that way. So there's a road called straight, the straight way. You know, we've got... Uh, Boy, you go out there in the shores, you got such, such and such road, you got such and such circle, such and such way, and it'll be the same name, they just got a different ending. Road, circle, way, street, yeah, uh, just whatever it is, they've got it. Well, this is called the straight way. Now, the other road is broad, but the straight way, oh, it is God's P.S. Uh, GPS. You say, what is God's GPS? God's perfect solution. Jesus Christ shed blood for our salvation when we receive Him through repentance and faith, and then the Word of God preserved forever, intact, without error, to guide us, and the Holy Spirit to put in us so that we might follow that Word. And not give in to the ways of the devil. Well, look at the crowds they're getting there in those churches that have gone that direction. Isn't that great? I don't know. If you want to get crowds, go to a rock concert. They do the same thing. You've got to decide whether you want to be holy or if you want to be worldly. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, then the love of the Father is not in him. Now, the Lord says the love of the 
the Father's not in you, it's not in you. Oh, I love God. Oh, yeah? You love your wife a lot of you men the same way you say you love God, you get shot. Now look, be honest. Just plain be honest with yourself. Uh, we're looking at this idea of this truth that God has given us His Holy Spirit to guide us the rest of our lives. Why? Because there's two seats. To end the Broadway, there's a seat there. You know what it's called? The great white throne judgment of God. Everyone that arrives at that seat is going to be judged and then to cast into the eternal lake of fire from there. Those on the Broadway, when they arrive at that seat, it's called the judgment seat of Christ in 2 Corinthians 5.10. It's the rewarding stand. It's actually what it means. But some there will lose their reward. Which seat are you going to arrive at? And do you know scripturally why you'll arrive at the seat that you will arrive at? Can you give a scriptural reason why you, that you know that if you die today that heaven's your home? I don't say a feelings reason. I'm not talking about a philosophy reason. I'm talking about a Bible reason. Do you know why that heaven is your home? Listen from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 through 15. For other foundation can no man lay but that which was laid, which is Christ Jesus. Is Jesus holy? Did he ever sin? No. He didn't ever sin, and he is holy. He is altogether righteous. He's our example. Now, if any man built upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. Now, understand, this is being addressed to Christians. This, these are the ones at the judgment seat of Christ. Your work's going to be made manifest. You say, what does that mean? Well, it has two ideas. Number one, it means everybody there is going to see it. You may have things hidden from this crowd or from your spouse or from anybody else, but it's not going to be hid up there. Well, I hide it because I don't want my spouse or I don't want my friends to think bad of me. Oh, they won't like me anymore. And you covered your sin. You know, isn't it interesting that even 1 Corinthians 4, 5 addressed to Christians also? says the hidden things of darkness will be revealed as well as the intents of the heart? Is your heart right with God as a Christian? Now think about that. So he goes on to say, it will be made manifest for the day shall declare it. When you declare something, you're making it known. The day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire. That is your works, your Christian life. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, 
he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, it shall suffer loss, for he shall be saved, yet so as by fire. That's why in 1 John chapter 2, where I just talk, talked about if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Guess what? Just a couple of verses after that, it's verses 15 through 17, but then you get in verses 18 and 19, you find out another thing. They went out from us because they weren't of us. In some cases, that means they weren't really saved. But in other cases, they turned to the flesh. They went out from fundamentalism. They went out from the truth of God's Word. They went out from those things. Why? Because they were not of us. And so, you have that lying ahead of you. Now, there's going to be tears in heaven. The judgment state of Christ will happen before the, what happens at the end of the Broadway. Let me read about the Broadway real quick here in Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. Now this is the end of time. This is the end of the, even the thousand-year millennium. When those that died without Christ, they're in a place called hell, but that's not the eternal lake of fire that they're going to be in. They'll be resurrected from that place called hell, appear before that white throne judgment, and then be cast into the eternal lake of fire from there after everything has been revealed about their lives, for it's all written. And so it says, and there was... Uh, heaven earth fled away and there's found no place for them. And I saw the bad, the, the dead, excuse me, small and great stand before God. And the books were open. Books. Everything is written about your life. Every moment, every second, every, everything about your life. The books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books. The books, all those books that has your life in it. According to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, meaning final, complete separation from God forever in a lake of fire where you'll never cease to exist, where you'll never escape, where you have no hope. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. You know what? I believe that every person born into this world, that their name is in the book of life. I think that the unpardonable sin is this. If you die without having received Christ as your Savior through repentance and faith, that's when your name is blotted out. You're wanting to get saved at 11.30, but 12 o'clock hits and you didn't realize it. That is the 12 o'clock on the time God had for your life. So again, we had read Acts 17, 30, and 31. 
in the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because he's appointed a day in which he'll judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained. Whereof, whereof, he hath given assurance. He, God, has given assurance unto all men, through his word we see it, to all men, that he hath raised him from the dead. There's a reason Mark 1.15 tells us that when Jesus come to this earth, he preached, repent, and believe the gospel. Now let me try to draw this to a close this way. Look again at verses 21 through 23. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Oh yeah. There are people who want to say, well, you know, I'm going to do it then. Uh, Lord, Lord, I'm calling him Lord. He's my Lord. Chances are he's not really your Lord. Because you've not through repentance and faith received him as your Lord and Savior. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord and Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. And that's when we told you, repentance and faith. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have I not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and thy name have done many wonderful works. You know, earlier in this chapter, of Matthew chapter 7, he talked about false prophets, wolves in sheep's clothing. See, they're looking at their works. They're looking at themselves being religious Religion doesn't get you to heaven. Works doesn't get you to heaven. It's only Jesus Christ. Only Christ and Christ alone. And so, in thy name we've cast out devils. In thy name we've done many wonderful works. You see, they're depending on a work of salvation. Casting out devils, that's a great thing. You're prophesying truth, that is a great thing. I wonder if they really prophesied truth. Many wonderful works, and then here's the kicker. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. You weren't ever saved. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Repentance. I know I've used it many times, but to me the best illustration of repentance, here's a young man, young lady that dated, they get married. But they both repent. She's not going to date the other guys that she dated before him. He's not going to date the other girls she, he dated before her. They're turned into one person. And they're committed to that one person for life. You come to Jesus Christ, you're turning yourself from sin, from depending on your works and yourself, and you're depending wholly on Jesus Christ, knowing that you're a sinner, knowing that you deserve to go to hell, to be in that eternal lake of fire, but believing that he loves you, you're giving him your life. If you haven't done that, I can tell you by the authority of God's word, not my authority, by the authority of God's word that hell's your destiny unless you get saved. Christian, what a shame 
if you're saved so as by fire. If you say, well, as long as I'm saved, that's all I care. And you say you love God. Hey, that's all you care is that you're saved from going to hell, but you're not really loving God. You see, the important thing today is to know that if you die today, that heaven's your home. But the second important thing as, as a Christian is that your whole life is dedicated to the Lord. Look, you say, well, you mean I've got to be a preacher? I've got to be a Sunday school teacher? I've got to be this or that? No. God sent you as a saved person, if you're saved, to be a light in this world, whatever that vocation that He's open to you. Every place needs the light. You say, why is that? Because there are few people that are on this road that's straight, but there's many on that broad way that's going to hell. You know, one of the greatest shames as we view that white throne judgment, we see people cast into the lake of fire and they look at you. Why didn't you tell me? Two or three times in the book of Revelation you see that he wipes their tears from their eyes. You'd think that all the tears are gone now. But it seems like it's after the white throne judgment that he finally does it again. when they see the souls being cast into the lake of fire, that they did not try to lead to Christ at all, that they had the opportunity. See, the important thing is to act on a decision for God. Then have the integrity to stick with that decision regardless of man's opinions and the devil's attacks. Christ set the example. The church age have martyrs that died, burnt at stakes, heads cut off, doing it and even rejoicing that they were counted worthy to die for Christ. My friend, my brothers and sisters in Christ, I want you to finish well. I can say I love you all I want to, but if I don't care how you finish, then my words mean nothing. I don't want any of you to be saved so as by fire if you're a Christian. If you're not sure you're saved, I don't want you to go to hell. Even though you've heard the gospel here, I still want you to be saved before it's eternally too late. Won't you come to him? Let's bow our heads, please.